Hi guys, welcome back to the How Great Is That Art podcast, the most wholesome podcast on Northwest. Today I'm joined here with Lennox Green, the creator of the Trifinity Tetragram. Is that pr- <laughs> okay? That's close. Trifinity Tetragram. Trifinity ma- Tetragram. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, an abstract view, which is um. Would you say it's your website or how would you describe yeah, abstract? abstractview.co is the website? Uh, yeah, and it's full of amazing abstract works. I have one with me. Um, it's not right next to me, but I have it in my house. Um, so you got the one that I sent through to you? Yeah, yeah. Cool. What, what did you think about it? I really like it. I love okay. the colours. Um, yeah, I, I need to put it on my wall still. But, yeah, I need to find space. But it's definitely nope. going out there. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it anyway. That's good. So um, could you explain to us what the Trifinity Tetragram is? Or Trifinity? Trifinity Tetragram. <laughs> the uh, Trinity. Yes. A, and the symbol of the uh, triangle has been in a Christian tradition for a long, long time. So the um, trifinity is a um, compound word that I um, sort of like um, was brought to my mind and it combines the idea of the trinity and also um, um, the tri as in the triangle. So that's where the the trifinity comes in. The word tetragram, it is the um, name for the Hebrew. The word tetra means four. And yeah. gram is another word for um, writing. And a tetragram is a word, a four-letter word. And in the Hebrew, the four-letter tetragram is the word Yahweh. Yeah. It's literally um, their four-letter word for the name of God, Y-H-W-H. Yeah. Because they won't say the Lord's name itself. They'll, they'll just use a, um, a code for God's name, a Yahweh is the four-letter word that designates the true name of God. Right. Go online, Google it. You'll see um, tetragram, and you pull up tetragram, and you'll see all the Jewish and um, it's jewelry. You get it in, in it's posters and all sorts, um, and that's how the Jewish community um, say the name of the Lord. And so that's where the, the two ideas: trifinity, tetragram, and my um, abstract art collection is yeah. called combines these two ideas. Having said that. Combining the uh, symbols of the Trinity with the tetragram is something that you, if you Google um, Trinity tetragram, yep. you'll find that in a lot of ancient manuscripts from the um, 10th century onwards, you'll find um, symbols of the Trinity and the tetragram both combined. It's in some um, stained glass windows in some churches, some old churches, you'll see Trinity tetragrams. So the idea is actually a very, very old um, but I came across it incidentally, um, or accidentally, or providentially, should I say, um, at the early part of this year when God sort of like spoke to me and uh, brought various elements together. And that's when I decided to call my set of artwork the Trifinity Tetragram because I felt as though that's what, where God was leading me. Right. I I can see it in your work now that you've mentioned it because it's sort of like the, well, the four could be, the four sides of the page, the paper, because there's like there's four corners, yes. and then yes. 
the abstract aspect is almost like God because he's sort of mysterious. Like we don't know everything about him. There's some things we can point out just like in the work, like you can point out certain colours, maybe techniques you've used, but we can't explain it. Like there's not one definitive explanation or there's some things that we don't know um, that only you may know um, that you've done in the work. And that's sort of like how our relationship with God is. Like we don't know everything, but there's some things that he let us know um, and some things that we can see that he's allowed us to see and stuff like that. You're right. At best, because God is beyond natural um, comprehension, and although we have revelation from God yeah. and God gives us insights and on all these things and we've got the word of God, but to fully know God is beyond the capacity of creation. God is bigger than creation. He's bigger than our comprehension. Right. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for us, you know, and what God is. And so we'll always be dipping our, you know, toes in in in, in the um on the shoreline of a huge ocean when it comes to what god really is and who he is right and, and i think my artwork um is abstract nature it, it it suggests like you say there's a, that, the mysterious aspect of god which is beyond the natural right and it's really it's interesting because you don't really see much abstract like christian art like when you think christian art you think sistine chapel mm-hmm or Leonardo da Vinci, like you yeah, think yeah. all these old paintings of like um, events that happen in the Bible to like maybe like paintings of Jesus praying and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I actually had a conversation with my friend about it, like uh, because she's also an artist and we're talking about how like we don't really see art moving forward in the same way that Christian music has like we there's so many genres of christian music now like um and like everyone's aware of it but with art it's kind of like hidden like i'm not saying it's not happening because obviously you have your abstract work and then uh, me and my friend we also make like artwork that's not really traditional but it's like why isn't that being seen more yes yeah I think that, like you say, there's a very narrow, limited range of what we find as Christian art, and it's become very restrictive and, dare I say, cliche and safe, which isn't fine, but I think that the truth is um, art, certainly Christian art, it reflects God and God's kingdom, and it reflects the Christian narrative, of course, but aspects of art, the extreme ranges of Christian art, I think there needs to be something that's less traditional right. and less um, mainstream and more extreme because that's what God is. And I think it's, it's I would encourage Christian artists to um, be prayerfully looking to express their um, creativity outside of the, the um, natural boundaries because God exists inside and outside of what we naturally see. And art should be pushing those boundaries at times you know, as God leads us. But what I'd also say is, it's ironic that right at the very beginning of um, time, when God made, um, when creation was, you know, was was brought forth, God said that he set the stars in the heavens to be, I'm reading from now, in Genesis 1 verse 14, God said, let the lights in the expanse of the heavens 
to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons. And that word for signs, the Hebrew word off, it means for things to come. And so we know that the stars, that we can use the stars to work out what month it is and seasons, but they're also there for signs to speak about things to come. Mm. And without doubt, the oldest form of art that man has ever experienced, it was when he looks up at the skies and God gave him insight to understand that there's a message, an abstract message actually, from the stars that would, had a prophetic element to them, which is why in the book of Job, which is chronologically, Job is the oldest of the books. Right. It might appear next to the book of Psalms, but most Bible um, students know that Job is the oldest of the books. And again, I'm just looking to the Job passage, Job 30, Job 38, when it says, can you bind the chain of the Pleiades or loose the cord of Orion? Can you bring lead forth Maseroth in its season? Now that astronomical stargazing verse in yep. Job 38 is talking about the Pleiades, which is a small cluster in Taurus. It's talking about Orion. And we all know about Orion's belt. Yeah. Uh, most people who are into astronomy, I am, but most people understand that you look at the sky, you can see Orion's belt. And the word Maseroth is the Hebrew word. It's, it's the equivalent English translation of that word would be constellation. And in some Bibles, as a footnote, it says a zodiac. So right. we are talking about the 12 um, major constellations. And God is also talking about them in the oldest book in the Bible. So looking up into the skies and God giving man revelation that he wants us to have a prophetic message from this abstract, um, seemingly random configuration of stars in the sky right god was, was saying something about things to come and so abstract art is actually the most um, primitive and original form of art that god has given to man and the pictograms that we see in orion's belt and um, virgo and taurus and aries all those things although they've been hijacked by the occult and by you know pagans and all the rest of it yeah clearly the original and purpose of the abstract pictures in the sky, which, by the way, are culturally um, um, common across many cultural platforms that go Chinese, Indian, um, Jewish, of course. You know, you go back to all the ancient cultures, they all have very, very similar um, constellation star charts with the same pictograms. And so there's an original source, which obviously goes back to Adam, yeah, where God gave him insight, and it's the oldest of the sciences, the oldest of the arts, and it's abstract. Wow, wow. <laughs> so, G, um, how did you like? How did you come to this point, like where you've? Because obviously, you have an idea of what you're doing, and from what I'm hearing, is is very expansive. So, how did mm -hmm. you even get to a point where? like you're thinking like this and you're making art in this way and this is like you're like this is what I was going to do and this is how I'm going to do it I think that every artist um has a mindset where they're especially when you're starting to create things it, it taps into a part of our god-given um characteristics that reflects god's nature which right. is creative it is creative and 
when we look at a blank piece of paper, as you know, um, in your mind, in your imagination, we start to build and construct something that um, hasn't yet been, um, doesn't yet exist, but it's in there somewhere. And for me, when I look around at um, creation uh, and I'm looking at what I can see, I know that there's things that I'm missing. I, I'm, I'm not seeing the full picture. Right. And I like the idea of looking at the fringe of um, the, the, the uh, I suppose, looking beyond the obvious and trying to um, um, probe into what's beyond the obvious. And that's my instinct when it comes to the word of God, um, prayer. And that's been my natural um, um, in leaning, if you like, when it comes to art. I've never been interested in developing the ability to draw what I can actually see. Right. I've been interested. I've, I've always felt more drawn um, to, to investigate or to experiment in things that I can't really describe or that are beyond the natural. And so I've always appreciated art in its natural, traditional form, impressionist, realistic art, and all, all those forms of art. Right. But I've always had a, a, a stronger um, fascination with the abstract because it's not clearly stated what its intention is, or what its narrative is. And that mystery, for me, it, it, it's, it awakens that part of my, I think, the human spirit, which is explorative, which is, uh, you know, wants to um, go beyond the natural. Uh, we're, we're designed to be creative and to think and to feel. And art does that, and abstract art, in, a, in its own unique way, it really does... Um, it just turns on those juices that draws you an, into a zone where you're just going beyond the, the natural. And that's where God obviously is. That's where mm. the spiritual is. That's yeah. where I think the most creative um, environment is where from that ether, in the beginning, there was nothing, just a, a primordial a mist or, or whatever it is. And then God formed something solid out of something that was vague. And it's that, and it's, it's the, the vagueness before God starts to form things, that's what where I tend to focus my art um, because I know that there's something beyond the natural, and as believers we know that, um, and we know that it's spiritual and it's Bible based and so on. But people in the world who are misguided, they'll go into all sorts of weird and wonderful hippie stuff, and what they're really looking for is something that's beyond the natural, but they're, they're looking in the wrong way, in the wrong direction. Right. And I art especially christian art and in some ways abstract art i think it's it's tapping into that very primeval and um, original awareness that there's an abstract world that's touching the natural world and and that's why i think an abstract art appeals to me wow <laughs> <laughs> so do you um do you like plan your like your artwork like is there any, is any part of it planned definitely um when i started to um, rediscover my love for art because i as a young child I, I loved it doodling and scribbling vague things and abstract things but i was discouraged from because I wasn't learning to draw in the traditional way right. I, I was told that I wasn't doing it right and so I thought yeah. you know I'm not interested in, in 
in learning to draw as per se, I just wanted to um, be more playful and more um, experimental. So I never learned to draw as such. So when I've come back to, to art as a adult in my fifties, I came back to art. Um, I, I, I thought I need to learn some um, theory, some some you know of the how to draw, and so. I, a lot of the books that I got were abstract art books and also about colour theory and composition and um, and things like that. So I'm, I'm aware of, and, and as a photographer as well, mm. an amateur photographer, I, I think uh, um, some of those um, composition elements that would make a good picture, you know, negative space, um, keeping certain elements in, in the, um, the, 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 in certain parts of the frame. And so as I'm drawing my abstract art, I have a background that I, I would pick, and then I, and I've got certain um, compositional elements that I will place, such as the four main um, branches or shards of my pictures. But I, I don't want to um, always put them in the same place or to be um, to create them in the same way. And the way I, I blend my paints, I'm I'm deliberately picking um, blends and combinations of colours that. Um, that don't necessarily appear to, to work together, but when you um, put them into a blend, I never know exactly what I'm going to um, get. Right. But I, I know it's something which is going to, um, I don't know, in a sense, for me, as I'm doing it, I'm discovering, um, you know, something new about uh, what that piece might look like when it's finished. And, and as I slowly build up layer upon layer of each picture, the theme or, or, or the... Um, the strength of, of that particular piece of work just becomes more and more um, fixed and more solidified. Um, but it, it is a very tentative, experimental, initial approach, and then it starts to build a bit more structure. Right. Um, but behind it, there, there is some basic um, theory of drawing and uh, you know and composition and, and, and colour theory as well. I think what's interesting about that is that I sort of take the same approach to my work and... It's not abstract. Well, it's, it's, I would say it's ambiguous in meaning, but it's not abstract from like first looking at it. Like you can see clearly what things are. But um, the thing is, is like you would ask, why did he put this with that? But yes. you know what those things are. Um, and it usually goes like how you said, like it's quite experimental. I don't really know what. I'm doing um and I don't really have a meaning behind it until I've finished the work so um I kind of approach my work uh in the position of a viewer as well and then I come up with my own interpretation after I've finished it Mm -hmm. um and yeah I think it's really interesting because like your work is abstract and my work isn't very abstract but we kind of have the same approach to the like to art um and it just goes to show that it's beyond the page like it's about the mindset like you said before yes yeah i mean i've seen you work on your website and i've noticed that a lot of your pieces there are elements in it that i wouldn't i would never have put together i would never have associated together and so i do get surprised by the uh, (laughs) elements of your uh, composition because I think you know I would never have uh, associated in my mind some of those um, you know elements on this in the the same picture so in that sense I do see this um, a loose grip to um, convention in a lot of your work it is very experimental definitely 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where it came from. I just, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I, I do understand what you, uh, when you said about your childhood, about like the teachers wanting you to draw like traditionally. Like I've, I experienced similar, like I had a similar experience. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of did get off art and then I got back on later on. Yes. Yeah. I just don't see why the sky always has to be blue and the right. fields green. You know, why can't there be any colour that you choose? You know, we just, I think when it comes to art, um, learning to, to um, draw what you can see isn't the only way to draw. Right. And I think it's useful and it's a beautiful thing when people can draw, um, you know, and reflect reality. But it's, I think there's space in the artistic world for, for for those who can draw um and not necessarily be um you know re- representing something that's you know real but something that's beyond you know what we all um, are familiar with mm-hmm. and i like that i don't always like i don't like all types of abstract art some of it does not appeal to me i found that um when i was researching why art especially abstract art tends to um make people experience um pleasure and um focus and interest it tends to be if if a piece of art, art whether it's abstract or um impressionist if it's got um, angular um aspects to it and straight lines a lot of them they tend to um create something of a um a heightened sense of caution because right. in the natural world something that's straight or angular may be threatening Whereas art that's got a lot of curves and waves to it, they tend to um, create a sense of um, safety because mm-hmm. the mind just subconsciously associates a curved shape or, or a, um, a, you know, a waving shape that's more gentle as something that is friendly and not threatening. Uh, and so there's something about, for me, abstract art that's got more of a, a flow to it that, uh, that feels more inviting and it makes you feel more uh, at ease and makes you feel more positive rather than some of the very busy abstract art that's very angular and sharp. Yeah. It it is a hostility about it and a chaos about it, which is, I don't personally find appealing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I always say um, that, I always say um, that good art makes you feel and think and then great art makes you feel and think the right emotions. Um, mm. So by that, I mean, um, say if one of your works you made, you want people to feel sad. If the person feels sad, that's great art because you're it's doing what it's intended to do. But mm. say if like, but like even if it made them feel happy, it's still good art because it's making them feel something. But if they just like look at it, don't feel anything, or they just walk past it, it's like it hasn't really done its job. Um, and that could be based on the person, but um, yes, yeah, more so it's like based on the artist. Maybe the artist hasn't achieved what they wanted to in that sense. Yeah. And um, I would say that's when like you can separate the artist from just people that can draw because anyone can draw, or anyone can yes. learn to draw, but not yes. everyone can be an artist. So, mm. yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I think with um, all art, 
when you look at it uh, and when you're experiencing that art, um, we're thinking about what does it mean? What right. does the artist mean by that picture? Um, but more so abstract art, the question is always, what does it mean to me? Uh, and how does it make me feel? It's mm. a, it, it subconsciously becomes a, a very personal experience because no one um, can tell you ex exactly what that art, well, no one can dictate, should I say. They can tell you, but they can't dictate and say, it has to mean X, Y, or Z. It, as you view abstract art, your brain is thinking, how does this make me feel? What does it mean to me? Mm. And you, straight away, you're focusing, straight away, you're... Um, that part of your mind, which you know, deals with emotion and feelings, is activated, and it's a, it's it's a very pleasurable. Thing. It's almost like having a um, well, in the psychology, there's something called um, an aesthetic. Um, they call it um, what is it? It's called um, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's basically to do with aesthetics and the uh, and the mind and art. It creates those same dopamine type of um, chemical reactions that you get when you're experiencing pleasure, a, a nice meal or watching a nice movie mm. um, or, you know, anything like that. Art will produce that. And, and that's one of the things I like about art in general and abstract art. You have this, um, this sense of um, pleasure and joy. Uh, when you're experiencing real art, art, should I say, and abstract art has a way of tapping into that in a more intense way because your mind has to do a bit more work to decide how it feels and what right. it thinks about what it's experiencing. Yeah, right. It's like controlled chaos almost. <laughs> yeah, a bit like that. And with my art, the reason why I... I um, became very interested in calling it, um, you know, the Trifinity Tetragram right. is because when I was looking, um, we, we happened to be in our church group looking at the John 21, um, 11 verse, when it talks about the catch of fish, 150. Yeah. I was meaning to get to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I was curious. I mean, I was hooked <laughs> straight away. I thought, why would that be in the Bible? And so I go to, as you do, you go to Google and you look up 153 and well, I was doing it via the Christian sort of like sites and I was getting the usual commentaries and things. But when I went to the, um, when I widened my search, because Google knows what, what sort of things you're looking for. Yeah. I thought, no, this is to do with math because uh, God is a mathematic. God, God, God's, God knows his maths. So I'm going to see what a mathematic, math, mathematician says about 1553. And it turns out, you know, this number is not just a random number. It's all to do with triangular numbers. Right. And once I realised that and the, and the relationship between triangular numbers and perfect square numbers, I understood straight away why God picked 153 in, John, in, in the John 21 passage. Yeah, and there's also, I, 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 look, I did a bit of research into it as well because... Um, I found it quite interesting too. And then I just went down this rabbit hole, of like 153. Um, and then those people talking about, uh, they're comparing the stories of, I think it was Pythagoras. Um, Cause he had like a similar story to Jesus, um, me and the disciples and catching the fish. Um, and I think the, his one was that he told the fishermen that he knew 
the exact amount of fish that they caught. Um, and he said it was like 153. And um, they related it to the amount of species of fish at that time, which was 153. And then um, also he had this theory where I think he, it was like the circumference of two overlapping circles. And that was uh, 153, which was also the closest fraction to the square root of three. And then also <laughs> the shape of the overlapping circles was in a fish. So um, it's like they're all connected in some sort of way. Mm. And then um, there was, I think it was like one to 17. There was something to do with 117. If you add one to 17 is 153. And then yes. yeah. uh, it's 10, 10 commandments and then seven, seven gifts of God. So one, 10 and seven, 17. Yeah. There's a lot of like different things that just one five three. It's got a lot of maths behind it, and it, it appears in a lot of equations and in a lot of um, um, you know more advanced maths. But what you say about the one five three and seventeen is interesting because just for those who who were listening to this, um, when you've got a uh, three objects together, it forms a natural triangle. Right. Um, with the one at the top and then two at the bottom, you've got a, a nice, simple equilateral triangle. And if you add four more objects below that, you get a slightly larger triangle. And each time you add more to, to the bottom of that triangle, you're getting a larger triangle. And 153 is the 17th, wow. um, is the 17th um, triangular number in the sequence. And so it's, it's a, it's, uh, but also, what's fascinating about 153 is not only is it the 17th um, number in the triangular um, sequence, triangular numbers, but 1, 5, and 3, when you add them together, 1, 5, and 3 is 9. Mm. 9 is, um, clearly, it's 3, 3 is a 9. And we also, um, if you, we should do a little calculation, 9 times... 17 is 153. Yeah. And so there's a lot of ways in which God is saying this number, 153, it is about a perfect equilateral triangle. And we know that that is a symbol of the Holy Trinity. And so when God in, is saying in John 21, they took 153 fish out and they brought them to Jesus. <clears throat> this is the last chapter in John's gospel. In, in a sense, this is John's gospel. This is John's version of the Great Commission. Right. He's saying, "You go out and you fish for souls, and you bring them to God." But to which God are you bringing them to? Because people in the world, back then and, and even now, there's so many gods, so many religions, so many pagan and faiths. Which is the true God? And that one five three is limiting. In fact, it's it's a signpost saying, "Bring them to the God who is a Trinity." Bring the fish to me, and mm. I am a Trinity God. And that's the message that's being coded, if you like, or that's implied in this special number. Uh, and when the disciples go out with the gospel message, if they read this passage, the, and anyone's thinking, you know, why, why is that number there? When they realize it's, it's about the Trinity, and there's only, you know, the, the main thing about our, our God that's very different than, than let's say, 
the, the Hebrew um, uh, traditional God, they only believe in one God, even though there's, 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 he's a trinity, or the Muslim faith where they only have one God. Right. Whereas we know that the Bible, the full revelation of God, he's a triune God. And I think it's God's way of making sure that the disciples <clears throat> have a, a way of reaching people who are uh, unser uncertain about who is the real God. The real God is a trinity. And, and that appears many times in the Bible, but it appears in this passage it, with this 153 and the triangular number. Yeah, I, ne I never really, like thought about it like i just thought it was a weird number like it was one five three that's very random um but it makes a lot of sense like now you're saying it um and i'm sure there's even like more that's in there that we don't even know like um that um when i said that at the time 153 species of species of fish was meant to be like estimated that's how many species of fish were at the time so it could also mean that they were meant to go out to everyone like not leave anyone behind like yeah going to all the world right it's the gospel so it's, it's crazy like <laughs> but it's god so like it's not crazy when you think about it but like it's just i guess it's just a part of the enlightenment it just makes you yeah, yeah. definitely definitely and uh, one of the things that I found um, fascinating when I tried to unpack some of these ideas and um, somebody, when they looked at my artwork and they realized, um, you know, it's got an unusual name uh, and I explained some of these things from the Bible um, it helps people who uh, have very little or no Bible background. Maybe they're, um, they may call themselves atheists, but really they're agnostic because no one can know for sure yeah. that there is not a God. <laughs> Or you can, you can say, I don't know if there's a God, but you can't say there isn't a God. Right. Um, because no one knows everything. But when someone has this um, um, cynical or a non-believing um, perspective, when they see a clearly mathematical number that has significance right there in the, in the Bible, that, it doesn't take, it's not about faith. This is about science. You know, mm. it, is a, it is a number which can't be uh, disputed that it is a triangular number and that it is and that, that trying a perfect equilateral triangle clearly you know father son and holy spirit the holy trinity is being implied there that's the hook that god uses the, that bit of intrigue to show people that this is the word of god and if that that is true if you know the triangular number is really there and it is then the god who placed that message there is real as well Right. And so it opens up a door for intellectuals who, uh, and for those who are, um, or, or those who, who are skeptical about the, about the Bible in general, at whatever level of your academic ability, once you realise that there's something very scientific, something indisputable about this number that is, right. that's not just random number, it, it gives them, it gives that cynical part of them their their their, their attitude permission. To, to um, look more seriously and with a bit more respect at the whole of God's word, right? Because it like it connects what they believe to be completely true to what they're like unsure about, yes. what they doubt. So it's like, okay, so if this is completely true and this is connected to that, maybe that's also true as well. And then 
That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Because faith isn't shouldn't biblical faith is never blind faith. It's right. based on on truth. You know, we believe we believe in God because all of the evidence is pointing there from creation, you know, from the microscope to the telescope, it's shouting out that there is a creator. Right. Um, and it's ironic that in the um, scientific community, um, a large percentage, I'm not saying a majority, but a large percentage of them do believe in um, what they call intelligent design because the evidence is there. They, might, they won't necessarily call it God. Right. They know that there's a lot of sophistication when it comes to the way that um, things have been have developed or been created or evolved, as they say, behind it, they, they see a lot of intelligence. Um, I'm into, when I was at school, biology was one of my favourite subjects because when you look at a cell and you look at those little factories that make, you know, um, certain chemicals and enzymes and proteins and that you can't have, you can't have enzymes without the proteins and you can't make the proteins without the enzymes. Right. When you get that catch-22, you realise this was all put together um, deliberately um, at the same time because you can't slowly develop some of these biological systems. They, everything has to be there for a cell to work. A cell can't function without you know, the nucleus or the so other elements within it. It all has to be present. And so science, basically, is shouting out that there is a creator. It's not just happened by chance. And the word of God, when, it, when you see um, facts like this, you know, the 153, it's shouting out, it's not random. There's design behind it. And therefore there's a designer. Right. Therefore there's a creator. There is an architect behind creation. Uh, and, and that's why, uh, you know, I think these passages really are uh, one of our hidden uh, neglected weapons in our arsenal that we should be using when we're trying to bring somebody from a cold position of faith, warming them up a bit and getting drawing them closer to God and his word. We need right. to use what they do know so that they can reach out to what they don't yet understand and know. Right. Right. Cause I think it's, um, it's like a logic beyond us almost. So and I think because there's so many alternative views as to how this world is created, it, it kind of blocks that logic that it was a creator, like that was God, because there's things like we all know that um, at one point no one was on this earth, like no human was here, but no one really acknowledges that. But we, it's something we all know, and like that's true, everyone knows that. But um, when it comes to creation, like who created the world, because scientists have brought in okay it's the big bang and then there's so many other religions giving their own opinion it's like that's what confuses people and they say okay we don't know or we say okay maybe there is no god because there's so many different opinions going around mm -hmm. yes that's true and uh, but when scientists and or uh, non-scientists are uh, when they put their thinking cap on and they're being honest they know that things are too well designed Everything that's created, it's so well designed. It, you need more faith to believe it's just random. Right. You know, it's it's just it just doesn't make sense to think that that you know something so perfect has and so many perfect things have just come in by chance. Right. And, and from a biological point of view, um, 
they talk about um, biogenesis that you know in order to make life you have to have life life can't you can't have life from non-life and I, I think that um the, those who are scientists who are biologists they know that biogenesis is one of the fundamental laws of biology but it, that is that contradicts the whole idea that you can have the big bang a load of rocks and, and I don't know chemicals and suddenly you've got life right. because a biologist would say that might I believe they, they'll say they believe in evolution and all these things but they know that in reality all the science is consistent unless you have life you can't make life and you can't make life out of something that is dead right. you know it just put that way um and so you know people are gonna have to not have to accept but the, the fact is the you know everything's pointing towards a creator without a doubt yeah uh, i like how you explain it so logically like even though i know already it's like i'm learning new things um and i can see if i didn't believe in god how like it kind of makes sense from a logical point of view because um like a lot of people can talk about like spirits and be anecdotal but not everyone has that experience so they can't really connect with that but um and usually people that don't believe in god um do rely on like facts and like logic and like numbers and stuff like that so what you're saying you said it's a a weapon that we haven't really used i think yeah it's definitely definitely a good weapon that we can use amen to that brother amen (laughs) (laughs) all right um so I'm just going to wrap this up. Uh, where can people find you if they want to like look more into you or your work? Because Trifinity Tetragram is a unique phrase. Just Google that. Um, I'm the only one that uses that phrase on the internet. God gave it to me. And so, but if you go to abstractview.co, you'll see um, my art collection there. And, uh, and, and there's a Facebook page as well. But, you know, just Google abstractview.co and you'll see my stuff out there. Great. Thank you so much, Lennox. Um, it was a really interesting conversation. A lot of things I learned, um, like how to say Trifinity Tetragram. <laughs> um, well, yeah. And... If anyone wants to um, get a copy of my work, I was thinking if somebody wants a copy of, of the work, or to, um, maybe we could do a competition or something, you know. Oh, um, yeah. If somebody wants to um, go onto the site, look at one of the pictures, they can email them to you and, and tell you uh, which one they, they like. Then you can just pick one out of the hat and that lucky person, I'll send them a free copy of one of the oh, prints, wow. any A2 size prints. That'll be great, yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. So if you if you want a copy of uh Lennox's work, um just go onto the website abstractv.co and then yeah. email me. Um I don't know, I feel like there should be like a question with it. <laughs> print they want and then gather all the um people that have responded you pick one at random and um i will send it to you or via you i will right. make sure that they get a copy of that print an a an a2 copy a nice nice size one like the one that you've got all right we'll do that okay cool cool 
that's the first time you have a competition on here, so <laughs> it wasn't yeah. even my idea. <laughs> I like it. All right, well, thank you, guys. Well, you. Thanks for having me on. On um, you know how great that was. I follow your stuff and it's really good and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, bro. Thank you.